0: We're going to carry on with our series. We're looking at hunger, hunger for the Lord and hunger for his kingdom. And um, we want to look this morning again at at worship. So this is John and Penny, who are an amazing part of our worship community. Hello. We're going to chat. We're going to share with you. And, you know, worship is a really important part of cultivating our hunger. It's a way of experiencing hunger, but actually pressing in for more. And, you know, it's, it's that reminder. Listen, actually, the when Jesus was asked what's the most important commandment he said it's this love the Lord your God with your heart mind soul and strength actually loving God worshiping God with a whole of our lives not limited to our song but definitely including our song And the Bible particularly the Old Testament has so much to say about song worship praise and worship that involves and uses worship and instruments and movement and your voice and there's there's so much to say about it it's actually it's not a you know, it's a it's a requirement. It's a call for all of us to know how to worship the Lord. And last week, Jess and Ruth um, chat with Phil about kind of their journey and into worship and and their heart for us as a as a community. What does us worshiping together look like? Um, so I'm, John and Penny are going to share this morning. But I want to put just a couple of key biblical things in place. Um, Starting with the blindingly obvious, really. Um, But just to make sure we're really clear, actually, you know, what is the what's the Bible foundation for you know why we worship and what worship is all about? And the first question, you know, into why we worship, um, is you know is very obvious. It says in Psalm twenty nine, verse two, ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. You know, simple terms, we worship God because He's worthy. Like, we worship God because he is due all of our praise and all of our worship. There's no one, there's nothing else that is worthy of our our time, our focus, our affection, our adoration. You know, we we worship God because he's God and because he is entirely and always worthy. And so, you know, while we understand, it's important that we understand that actually... um, Worship is powerful, you know, actually looked, even last week, about actually it's something that shifts atmospheres. You know, worship is a place where I'm strengthened, I'm encouraged, and, and, that's, and it, it does, it changes things, you know, it shifts atmospheres. A, um, but actually that stuff's all secondary. The primary reason we worship is because he's God and because he's worthy, full stop. It's really important. The second thing I want to say is this, listen, we all, absolutely all of us, have the same access to God in worship, I think it's, 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 it's easy to think, you know, these guys have somehow kind of got, they've got a, a secret special route that the rest of us don't know about. And somehow they get to worship God and encounter God's presence in a way that we, that's absolutely not it. And um, listen to this in Hebrews 10. This is verses 19 to 22. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Listen, the reason all of us, you know, this is pointed at every single one of us, the reason that we can have confidence to enter that most holy place, so it's using the picture of the temple in the Old Testament, the most holy place where the presence of God was, you know, the high priest, one man on one day a year could go in, but, you know, Paul is saying, listen, that is radically different now. All of us can confidently come right into that place, into God's presence, not because of anything we've done or know or have uncovered, but purely because of the work of Jesus. So the access in worship for us to come into the presence of God is the work of Jesus. So that's what Paul says, really clear. We have confidence to enter this holy place by the blood of Jesus and by this new and living way that's opened up through his body. So Jesus is the way and has made the way for all of us to come into his presence. It's not different for Penny or John or Jess or Lou or anybody else. It's the same for all of us. He's made that way. And, and I want to encourage you that actually in worship we can come boldly, we can come with confidence, we can come with full assurance of faith. That's not my idea. That's literally what it's just said in the Bible. Come boldly, confidently, with full assurance that actually I'm welcome here. And that's amazing. And I know, listen, I know I'm unworthy, but he calls me and counts me worthy because of what Jesus has done. So that that just needs to be settled for us. Listen, the way in worship to meet with God and come into his presence is made possible through Jesus. Whether that feels realistic to you, whether that feels like that's been part of your experience, yet, honestly, I want you to put to one side, that's slightly by the way. The, the bottom line is, that is actually the truth, because that's what the Bible says. He's made a way. But the journey, and what we want to kind of chat with these guys, and you know, getting Jess and Ruth to share with you as well, is actually, it's learning to walk in that way. So Jesus has opened up this new and living way into the very presence of God. So, But actually, there's stuff for us to learn in terms of how do we journey on and into that way. Um, and so what we're going to do this morning, we're going to unpack looking at praise and um, the, the Hebrew words for praise, there's not just one, there's lots. and Because actually learning to praise is really key, I think, in us learning to journey and, and walk into the presence of God. That's why it says in Psalm 100, which I'm sure these guys will come back to, Psalm 100 verse 4 says that we enter his gates with thanksgiving, we go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, praise his name. Now, praise and thanksgiving is a way that we get moving. We get walking on that new and living way to come into the presence of God. And so those two things, you know, thanking God for who he is, for what he's done, and for his character, his nature, his kindness, for the cross of Jesus. That's, that is a massively important and powerful part of our journey as we learn to walk into the presence of God. But that way is available for all of us because of Jesus. Um, but praise is, is a really vital key in how we do that, how we come into the presence of God. So I'm going to hand over to these guys, and they're going to kind of unpack some of these Hebrew words with their fluent Hebrew, and um, tell us a little bit about you know, what they mean, what that looks like. And really, for all of this, you know, our heart is, how can we, as a church family, how can we walk together confidently with assurance into the presence of God? So I'm going to hand over to these guys. I'll leave them in your, their very careful hands.
1: Great. Well, just this verse, Psalm 100 verse 4, is really super interesting because you may think it says the same thing twice. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts of praise, and it says thanks again, then it says praise again. But um, as we dive into some of this stuff, we'll actually see that's four different kind of keys into coming into God's presence. When it says thanksgiving and thanks, that's two completely different things. And when it says praise and then praise again, it's two different things. So there's a load of depth to be found when you kind of look at what um, the Hebrew words are. that we translate our Bible from were, um, Hebrew is a really interesting language. Um, if if you look at ancient Hebrew, it's like a pictographic language. So all the letters were like little pictures, which meant something, and so the words like really meant what the pictures said. Um, and then the kind of uh, so it's like ancient Hebrew, then the kind of Hebrew that you probably see um, in like a Hebrew Bible today, like has moved on from then, and it's been like tidied up a little bit from the pictographic stuff of the of ancient hebrew um, and then so that we get so it goes from ancient hebrew through to like written hebrew through to like what we have had translated um, into english for us um and so yeah we, we're going to kind of dive in and look at um there's actually seven different words that in english w- yeah that we've chosen today to look at that um, mean praise in, in the Old Testament, there's even more and things that kind of sew into that and feed into that idea of what praise looks like, but specifically words that are translated as praise, this, the seven that we're looking at today. Um, it's a bit like if you've ever been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard that in the New Testament, when we read the word love, there's four different types of love um, and they all mean different things. So in the Old Testament, when it says praise, there's like, there's it could be one of at least seven different meanings to that praise. Yeah, so we just kind of, in, in looking at this stuff, it's not just to, to tickle your brains um, and to, to give you some nice facts, but to really put some tools in your hand as to, um, as to what to do when we worship and what to do when you go and spend time with the Lord on your own, um, in your own secret place. And, um, like, we're, we're invited to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind. And strength, and I think we can often miss out the mind bit because we're like, we think it's like carnal and fleshly, and that's bad, right? But actually, if if we if we understand what we're doing, it can like just push us into into new levels of of freedom and encounter, um, and it can propel us onto just um, experiencing God in in a new way that He has for us. Um, uh, You know, one time in Psalms it says, "With understanding, give thanks to God." So we wanna kind of engage our brains as we engage the rest of our bodies and our beings and our our mind, our will and emotions as well. Good. Is that good? Yeah. Great. Um so the the first word we're gonna look at is the word yida. Everybody say yidah. Yeah. That's pretty good. Um so we find it in Psalm hundred verse four. Um it's actually the second time it says thanks in there, but it it means to revere or worship, to give thanks or praise with extended hands or to lift the hands Um, yeah and it's translated 53 times as praise in the Old Testament, it occurs 114 times so sometimes it's translated as thanks Um, 53 times of praise, that's in the King James Version, apologies if you've moved into the 20th century uh, and you don't use the King James Version but the Strong's Concordance works best in King James Version. So, um, uh, and it, it means, it sometimes translated as confess as well. Um, and, and the word also kind of means like to cast out or to like fire an arrow. You're like, what on earth has that got to do with praising God? So there's a sense that I've got to get out of me, out of the inside of me, all the thanks that I want to give to God. So I'm casting it out of here up into here. That makes sense? So this is like this physical act that goes on with all the thankfulness that I've got in my heart, all the times when I think about the good things that God's done for me and the victories that He's won for me so that we could be together so that He could make my path straight. Like when I think about that stuff, something happens inside, I get like excited. And so Yad is getting all of that, casting it out um, through my hands and through my voice and giving thanks to God. And um Yes, it's like firing an arrow of praise up into heaven, if you like. Um, and, and like, I, I don't know if you've ever been to a, a football match or seen a football match on TV. Like, putting your hands up is a pretty, like, common expression in football crowds. Um, and, like, it's just, it's like a human thing we do when something good happens. We raise our hands. Like, it's it's a really natural, normal reaction. And God's put that natural, normal reaction in us to raise our hands because because he wants to give us an expression to the voice that's inside of us. Um, yeah, so that's Yadah. And, um, and then the other time in that Psalm 100 verse 4, uh, the start of Psalm 100 verse 4, where it says, um, enter his gates for thanksgiving, it's the word Todah. You, you're thinking, so this one can come up now, Toda." And, and that's kind of got a similar sound. So everybody say Toda. Not Todah. Um, Toda. And it's actually derived from the other word, yadah, as well. So Todah also means confession or praise or thanksgiving. Um, and there's just a few examples in Psalms where it's used. Um, so it's, it's in the King James 32 times. Most of the time it's thanksgiving, but it also means praise as well. Um, and Todah is subtly different from Yadar. So they both mean like thanksgiving or praise but um, Todah is tied up in this idea of a sacrifice of praise or a sacrifice of thanksgiving Um, or like the thank offerings if you um, get excited about looking up the different sacrifices they did in the temple back in the day. The thank offering, they used that word for it as well. And so there's this element of praising God when it costs something. Um, Thanking God for what he's yet to do thanking God for the victories that you're yet to see, but because he's faithful, you're going to see. It's raising your hands to say thank you, God, when you absolutely don't feel like it. So on one hand, you've got Yadah, which is putting on the outside what's on the inside, and Todah is about putting your body in agreement with what's true, even if you don't feel like it. So when Psalm 100 verse 4, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Like Thanking God is key to coming into his presence. Like, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what you're walking through, the key is one of the keys into coming into his presence is giving him thanks. Um, I really love the message translation says, enter with the password thank you. I think that's just a fun way of putting it. Um, You know, and and David had this value for worship costing in something. Um, There's a story in 2 Samuel 24 where um, David. It's kind of messed up a bit, and he he's decided he's going to make an offering, and this guy says, "Hey, do you know what? You can have my my barn, my th- my threshing floor. Um, you can have my barn, and I'll tell you what. I'll even give you, I'll give you the cattle. I'll give you the bulls to make the sacrifice." And David says, "No, I'm not having it. I'm going to pay for everything. I'm going to pay you more than what it's worth because I'm not going to give to God something that doesn't cost me anything." Um. So, specifically in this instance, giving thanks to God when you don't necessarily feel like it. Um, it's probably costing you some emotions, some feelings, some pride necessarily than buying some bulls and, and a barn. But praising through that pain, singing through the storm, like it was amazing to hear Ruth's story last week of how even in the midst of pain like she chose to pursue God, she chose to worship God and that was actually some of the most profound encounters that she had in those times. Like I, I just remember one particular example um in my life we were um I'm married to M by the way who's over here she's amazing and um but a few years ago we didn't have kids yet and we're really wanting to have kids and it, it wasn't quite happening for us and so I just remember one like um dropping her off at work one day and it'd been one of those if you're married you probably know about this one of those really awkward co- like car journeys where nobody says anything and we're kind of in a mood with each other, but it's not each other's fault, and just there's some hard stuff happening. So we <coughs> dropped off at work, and I just remember thinking, I I need to praise God. Like, I need to to do something about, like, how I'm feeling. I need to turn my attention back to the Lord. So I remember putting on, like, the bounciest song that I could find in the car at the time, which was um, You Are Good uh, by Brian Johnson, Bethel Music. And um, I just remember, like like, crying it out, like, ugly crying as I was driving, which is probably slightly dangerous, um, driving through the tears. But just like in that moment, I just remember the peace of God coming as I sang, because you are good. Like through the tears and through the pain, like I just knew God meet me in that moment. Um, and I knew it was because like I'd chosen to worship through the pain. I'd chosen to give that back to God in thanks and praise. And God really values our choice. It's only this side of heaven that we get to sacrifice it's only this side of heaven there's pain and suffering and one day he's going to come and wipe away every tear but until then, we get to choose him. We get to choose to give thanks and praise to God. Um, so this this idea of like thanking him when you feel like it, putting your hands up when you feel like it and actually thanking him and putting your hands up when you don't feel like it. Did you know in raising your hands you have some options? There are a whole different bunch of ways that you can raise your hands. So I've just got this quick video to instruct you. And then we'll be back. So a little bit irreverent. But the point is that worship looks like something. And, um, and giving thanks to God looks like getting some of this out and putting it out here, whether that's high five or not. Like, um, Yeah, and we're going to talk some more about some stuff that really does look like something in a minute. But Penny, over to you.
2: Okay, so my first word is Barak. Barak um this one um means to bless to kneel to salute um very much looks like something and this is um from a place of adoration um, and sometimes brokenness um sort of that knowledge, that recognizing of of our position compared to god um that he is lord of all he is the highest he is the greatest and we are not <laughs> especially without him um so This is translated praise a few times, and it's also translated bless. um, And the Deuteronomy 10, 21, Judges 5, 3, and Psalm 100 again um, is where you can find it. Um, So, yeah, this word is clearly like an action word. It's something um, we do with our bodies to praise and bless him. And I love that. I love, like, the choice. You're humbling yourself, um, and it so blesses him. Like, it's translated more times bless. And it blesses him, our choice, um, to move ourselves and give our whole body um, to him in this way. Um, there's a word in the New Testament, <coughs> excuse me, um, Proscaneo. That's good, yeah. Thanks. Um, and that's bowing down again. And it also means to kiss the hand. Um, it's a very intimate word. Um, there's a real closeness in it. Um, and yeah, it's an outward showing of our honour to God, recognising his holiness, and that he's above all, he's worthy of everything we are, and we're his. Um, and it does take a lot of humility to kind of get low, bow down. Um, yeah, so there's that physical thing, and that's something we should see in worship. It's one of the ways we're, we're shown that look, worship looks like. Um, but it's also... Um, I think, a kind of every day, um, in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times, and that's this word, Barak, um, it goes beyond the worship service, again, um, that continual knowing of your position, um, that God is highest, he's the Lord of all, and that's a real heart position that we kind of carry in our every day, that we bless him at all times, just in knowing that he is who he says he is, um, yeah, so that is Barak. Um, And then the next one is, um, I think it's again, it's similar in that you really have to humble yourself um, to get to it, Um, but what it looks like is completely different. (laughs) So this one is Halal. So Halal, you find it in 2 Chronicles 5-3, Psalm 34-2, Psalm 146, um, and it's translated over. One hundred and seventeen times as praise um it 's the most commonly used word you probably recognize it from hallelujah um so that 's where the root word of that word is halal um and it just means to praise and yah is God, so praise to God um, yes, so this one, like I say, it's another kind of humble yourself one, but looks totally different um so are you ready? It's challenging. <laughs> um, and it's kind of like a personality thing. So you might say, oh, I'm more of a Baraka or I'm more of a Halala. But the reality is we're kind of, this is how we're all shown. This is what praise looks like. This is how God loves to be praised. It's in the Bible, you know. So Halal definition, let's go. To shine, to rave, to boast, to praise, to be clamorously foolish, to make a show, to act madly. Um, So this one, like I say, it takes a humble position (laughs) to be able to do that, especially when you're around people, Um, and arguably God's favorite word for praise, as it is the most commonly used (laughs) in the Bible, Um, and yeah, so we use hallelujah quite freely, we sing it quite a lot. but it really is more than just a spiritual filler word to write biblically-sounding songs. That's John. That was really good. Um, (laughs) um, So, um, yeah, I really love this word, and it's definitely one of those that you're not necessarily tomorrow going to be able to just throw yourself around and go crazy. like. um, It's one to journey with. It's one to um, have a go at and... um, Yeah, so it reminds me of, of like, a childlike abandonment. Like, those things are totally unashamed. Like, there's no worry there. There's no caring of who's around me. Um, It's a very free, sounds like a very free expression of of praise. And, like, you really need to be comfortable in someone's presence to act like that. Um, And so yeah like giving up your dignity so like a parent with their kids probably the silliest a person gets is when they're just playing and messing around with their children that sort of abandonment um and and i think we do see it more often than we think so i think about sports games or um gigs concerts and i think a lot of halaling happens there um and I think people who would say they were fairly introvert would actually, at certain events, get pretty crazy and wild about um, people that are on a pitch or people that are on a stage. And I just think like, that, that convicts me and that's like, gosh, if we can do that for someone, for just a person, then how much more can we express ourselves in how brilliant God is? Yeah. And how much, really, is our kind of coolness worth? And um, I heard there's a guy called Dan McCollum. He's like, you know what another word for cool is? Lukewarm. He's like, like, which is fun, but um, that's not to condemn anyone. But I just think like, actually, yeah, okay. How, how much am I willing to sacrifice in a different way? So we had bowing down, which is probably a more traditional like laying down like, very much tumbling, but actually this is a way that we can, like, you know, you think about David, I'll become even more undignified than this type, out in his pants, I'm not saying anybody needs to get in their pants <laughs> in worship, but, um, just totally abandoned, like, I am, I am here, I am for God, and this will look exuberant, and this is my whole passion, this is everything I am, and I'm giving it to him, and I'm not caring about what anyone else is thinking in this moment, um, And so the same guy, Dan McCollum, I was listening to one of his talks and it was on, you know, all these words for praise. And he talked about a reason that he he thinks that this is maybe God's favorite word for praise, why it's used the most. And he looks at um, Zephaniah 3.17, where it talks about um, the Lord is mighty and it says, he will quiet you with his love, which the quiet... um, he was saying it means to engrave, so it's like his love is, is written, it's permanent with us," which I think is really beautiful. And then it says, "He rejoices over you with singing." And that rejoice word, um, it's used a few times, um, but when you translate that, um, we kind of think of it like, "I, oh, you know singing a love song, and it's very sweet and you know over us. Um, probably because of the quiet word before but um what it actually translate as translates as is to jump up to spin around under the influence of a violent emotion to shine and be bright um, and to have shouts of joy (laughs) so it's not like he you know rejoices over us with singing it's like ah he rejoices over us with this jump up and this shout for joy and you're amazing i can't believe how wonderful you are and and he's like i think that he really likes halal the word halal because that's what he does over us that's how excited he is about us. That's what his celebration of us looks like. Um, and that, for me, has been a really helpful picture in worship when I've maybe felt a little bit self-conscious or a little bit like, oh, people are looking at me. Or I kind of want, you know, you may be feeling like, oh, I want to get this out. I want to really, really praise. I don't, but Ugh. And then I just picture him um, and what his celebration of me looks like and that he deems me as worthy of that celebration. I just think, oh gosh, I really need to get over myself. <laughs> like, hey this amazing display of love for me, I think I can afford him mine. <laughs> I think I can afford him that, That kind of humbling of right, I just I'm just gonna leave whatever's going on around me, and I'm gonna praise. Sometimes it comes a becomes a little bit of a dance off in my mind. (laughs) How they do it? Um, So he'll like the and he always wins, but um, (laughs) but yeah, that I love this word, and I mean I could talk on and on about it, but yeah, it's um, like
1: um, in Revelation when it it talks about the elders cast their crowns before God, and um. And if they're going to keep doing that for eternity, the crown's got to get back on their heads somehow. <clears throat> and it, I, I like to picture it like this, like they all just cast their crowns down for God because they go, God, you're amazing, you're so worthy. And the Lord picks them back up and puts them on their heads and goes, but I love you. And then they cast their crowns back down on the ground saying, God, you're so... And then this cycle continues. And I think that's a really great picture of what, what you were just talking about.
2: Like, you can't over exaggerate his goodness you can't get overly excited about how wonderful he is you know like it, it he's so good um that like eternally there's a praise party of how amazing he is so halal to me is this really beautiful picture of how we can get involved <laughs> in that um so yeah halal it's a fun one um and it's loud and the next one is also loud Um this is shabbat Shout <laughs> It's fun to say. Um, to exclaim, to shout, to Lord praise and commend, and to address in a loud tone. Um, Psalm sixty-three, three; Psalm one hundred and seventeen, one; Psalm one hundred and forty-five, four, and Psalm sixty-six as well. Um, this one reminds me of Sarah's story of a journey of, of shouting and trying to make a sound and um, be loud. Do you want to share that story? You have recently, haven't you? Yeah,
0: yeah. I have. I have recently, and so I wouldn't say I was a shouty person, but I just got looking at the Bible and felt like this kind of shout to the Lord kind of verse kept coming up. And there's an old worship song that says, um, "It breaks the heavy yoke when you shout to the Lord." I was like, "What does that mean?" So look at the Bible, and it does say shout to the Lord a lot. Um, but I just really struggled to get a noise out of my va- mouth, so I genuinely had to start practicing, so I'd wait till Phil was out and the kids were in bed and I'd get a cushion or a pillow and try and, because I think I was like freaked out by the sound of my own voice, so I'd shout into a pillow just to try and get, and then I would, then I'd practice in the car when there was no one else around. And like genuinely, I had to practice to learn to get out, and that's what it is, it's yeah. getting out what is in me and, and, and getting out what he is worthy of. Yeah. And when it doesn't feel comfortable and it doesn't always feel natural or authentic, but the thing is, it is authentic because I've been called to be a passionate lover of God. So it is authentically me and I just have to get over myself um, in some in context. And, and listen, this is fine to, to journey with. It is fine. But I, I, I guess our kind of heart is, it's not like a, like Penny said, it's not like a sort of certain personalities. Some of those things are obviously going to come more easily to some of us than others. But, you know, our heart is that actually we are authentic Um, Worshippers of God but we bring something that costs us something and sometimes it is what we're comfortable with what we're confident in and what feels familiar but authentic sacrificial praise blesses the Lord's heart and it really shifts some stuff but I I had to practice I had to learn to shout
2: I think every one of those times that you chose that that was praise like that journey into um, being obedient and in in your praise. Um, so in the Bible, Psalm 63, because of your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you, and that's Shabbat. You um, and 145, one generation shall commend your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. This one's really cool because it talks about how praise will leave a legacy. Um, so I think there's a spiritual element to that, where we're sort of declaring, um, and that generations and generations afterwards will benefit from how we went for praise and how we poured ourselves in and everything that was in us, how we poured ourselves into the city, into our families, into all of those things. But then there's also like actually being around your children, being around people in your workplace everywhere, declaring how good he is. Something awesome happens. Oh, thank God, he's so good. And saying it out loud, like being obvious with who your um, glory is going to. Um, it's a model and it's a demonstration. Um, you know, children learn by copying most of the time, by seeing something and sort of think, oh, that's how we do it. Okay, I'll do it like that. And it's not just children. Like lots of people, that's how we pick up things. Um, So make it obvious. And um, I think that's what Shabbat can be as well. Um, Yeah, so be loud. It's good. And it's something that can be in your everyday too.
1: Okay, we're going to move through this next one pretty quickly, but um, zamar means to make music, to sing praise, to play a musical instrument, to pluck and to twang, Which sounds a lot like a guitar solo to me. Um, but music is inherently powerful. I believe God made it that way. Music has the power to move you, um, if you've ever watched a film that's made in, with any degree of skill. There will be a great soundtrack that pulls you into the story as well. Um, it's God's intention, like God's kindness, that he would give us free will to use music. We can use it for positive stuff. We can use it in a way that manipulates people. But it's God's grace that he gives it to us. And, um, you know, as, as worship musicians, we're up here to to not create an atmosphere to push you or manipulate you into something, but but we want to express what we're feeling and hope that you're feeling it too. And we want to, um, um, yeah, I'm not trying to like conjure up something, but we want to give voice musically to what's going on inside. Um, and Zamar also means like to prophesy with an instrument, like David played his harp and the evil spirit left Saul. There's this great story of Elijah. Um, it, the whole of Israel's waiting for the word of God to come and speak to them, tell them what to do. And Elijah says, well, bring me a harpist because when the harpist plays we'll know what God's saying. Um, you know David says I'll awaken the dawn with my praise. Um, his zamar praise on the harp and the lyre which kind of there's a sense which means he was just up early and like he was you know singing as the sun was rising but it's also the sense that he's calling the things that are yet to come into today. So like there's that prophetic edge to it as well. And then Tahila is the last one. Um, so so Tahila Um, It's translated as a song or hymn of praise. It's a spontaneous expression of spiritual song. Um, Psalm 22, verse 3 um, says, You are holy. You're enthroned on the praises of Israel. Some translations say, You inhabit the praises of your people. Um, So the praises here is to heal them. And I figure, because God's a king, anywhere he inhabits, he's enthroned, right? So, Whichever translation you read is, is all good, but the fact that he would come and make his dwelling places upon the praise of people is something that I want to pay attention to. And it's Psalm 100 verse 4 is um, coming to his courts with praise is what it says there. And and Tahira has this real sense of your spontaneous like heart song, the song that you sing to God that no one else is singing. Um, and uh, if if you if you look at um, like a, a Hebrew Bible, the, the the name of the book of Psalms is Tehillim, which is the plural of Tehillah, which actually means that these were songs that people were sung out of their heart to God. That because um, David was the king, someone was writing down everything he would say, everything he would sing. They put it together in a book. Probably worked on it, shaped it a little bit because you know God loves refining and processing and excellence too. But um, But these spontaneous love songs were collected together and put in a book for us to read David's journey um, in worship. And, you know, quite often, like, he starts out from a place of, um, I think it's, you know, Psalm 13. He goes from saying, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? He's like, God, things are rubbish. I don't know where you are right now. I'm feeling horrible. And then he ends up that Psalm by going, my heart will rejoice in your salvation, like, God's really interested in in what's going on with you, where you are. Like, what I, my daughter's five and she, she's in reception at the moment. And um, when I pick her up after school, or on a day that I pick her up after school, I'm like, "Hey, Livy, how was your day?" And I'm just desperate to know, like, what she had for lunch. I'm like, it's not some big, like, I I don't need some big deep revelation of like, of. I don't even need to tell her that she, she loves me or that she's interested in me. I just want to know about her. I want to know about her day because I missed her since the morning. And how much more does your Heavenly Father, I mean, he knows anyway because he was there with you, but how much more does he want to know what's going on in your heart? How much more does he want to hear what you had for lunch? Like, what you've been up to, who you played with, how you felt about it? Um, and and it's, so to heal is the song of, of where you are right now. And, um, you know, you can, you can to heal at any time you like, um, Psalm 34 verse one says, "I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise, his to praise will continually be in my mouth. And, um, you know, it, it's more than just a list of things we like about God. It's, it's a, it's the conversation of day to day. God, I'm going to sing out what's in my heart to you, um, You know, Jesus talks about um, worshipers worshipping in spirit and in truth. And the word truth doesn't just mean like having good theology about what God's like and singing some true songs about him. Songs that have good doctrinal truth in them. Like actually, he's talking about the word truth can be translated as, as reality. Like the song of where you're really at right now. Like the song of what you're really thinking, what you're really feeling. Like God wants to hear that song. Um... And actually, we just want to take a moment to activate that right now. Um, I know some of you have got to go pick up your kids, um, our, our early years parents, probably half of you have left, not because we've said anything that's offended you, but you've been, you know, good parents. So that's great, well done. Um, but in fact, why don't the rest of us, we, we'll stand. And um, Andy's just going to come back and hear a few chords, so we roughly sound good together. But, um, For me, like I, I had to learn how to praise God spontaneously. It was a muscle that I had to stretch. Um, when I first got married, my wife and I would have these conversations, um, usually in the kitchen after a day at work, and she would tell me all kinds of facts, all kinds of details, people I had no idea who they were because she worked with them and I'd never met them. She'd tell me all those stories about what she'd been doing, and she'd ask me how my day was, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Um, so I, actually, uh, it, to have a... To build our our relationship as a husband and wife, we had to, well I really, had to learn how to tell her what was going on inside of me. I had to learn to tell her about my day, because otherwise she just thought I wasn't really interested in having a conversation with her. But the point is that this expression is a muscle that we have to build, Um, it's it's something we have to to work if we want to get good at it, and if if we want to, not that that there's a level that we have to attain, if we want to learn to journey with the Lord with our spontaneous song. This is just the song of, of where you're at now. So just as Andy begins to play, and he might sing some stuff as well, you don't feel like you have to join in with him. In fact, you can, you can sing your own song the whole way through worship on a Sunday morning if you want. If you want. I think it's great that we join in together. But anytime there's a space, you can sing your own song. Anytime the worship leader in their wisdom says, sing your own song to, the, to God. That's the time for you just to tell him what's on your heart. It doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be well formed. It doesn't have to be clear. It doesn't have to be understandable. It doesn't even have to have any words or a tune. He just wants to know what's in your heart. and He'll come with his presence. He'll come and inhabit your praises. He'll come and make his home with you in that moment. So, even now, when you just begin to let out to the Lord what's on your heart, it might just be that you're excited about lunch. It might be that you're excited about the sunshine. It might be that something is, is troubling you and you just want to tell God about it. And just lift that song to Him for a moment.